Our Old Testament reading last week ended with uh, the Lord causing the great fish to vomit uh, Jonah up onto dry land. So we continue. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go on into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. This is the word of the Lord. And speed to God. The epistle reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his, to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. And we have Jesus continuing with his Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, And there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you'll be put into prison. Truly I say to you, You will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. 
It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your own head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. This morning, we'll be uh, hearing God's word from Jonah chapter 3, which we just heard earlier. If you'd like to turn to it in your worship guide, in your bulletin, and uh, refer to it during the message. Our reading from Jonah today marks the midpoint and really the turning point of uh, this prophetic narrative, this account. Remember that the book of Jonah begins with God commissioning the prophet to, quote, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. That was in chapter 1. This original word of the Lord to Jonah reminds us of prior times in biblical history where mankind's wickedness arose to God. For example, there was Cain's sin against his brother Abel, whom he murdered, and whose blood quote, cried out to God from the ground. Again, there was the wickedness of the people on earth during Noah's day, when the whole earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence, and, quote, all the people on earth had corrupted their ways in Genesis chapter 6. And again, there was the sin in Sodom in Abraham's day when the Lord told Abraham, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down to see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me in Genesis 18. We learn from these accounts and others, like the account of Jonah, that God is not deaf nor blind to the sin of individuals or of entire cities and civilizations. He sees, he hears, he knows. In each of these accounts, God showed both judgment and mercy. He cursed Cain for murdering his brother and made his life one of restless wandering. But he spared his life. In the days of Noah, God punished the wickedness of mankind with a flood that nearly destroyed all life forms. But he had mercy upon Noah and his family and spared two of each animal in order that earth might be repopulated. The Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah in his righteous wrath in Abram's day, but he spared Lot and his family. In each of these examples and throughout Scripture, God shows his justice and righteousness by punishing rampant evil and wickedness, but he also shows his undeserved mercy and grace by sparing lives and offering a future. Jonah, the prophet, was aware of God's wrath and judgment, but he was also fully aware of God's grace and mercy. And it was God's judgment that he wanted for the Ninevites. He wanted them to burn 
He wanted them to be destroyed. We'll see later in chapter 4 that this is the very reason Jonah had fled from God's command to prophesy to Nineveh in the first place. Jonah didn't want the Ninevites to be saved. Still, through the miraculous series of events in chapters 1 and 2, God halted Jonah's attempts to flee, and now Jonah finds himself once again on dry land with God commissioning him a second time to go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah was to preach against the city because, as we heard at the beginning, its wickedness had gone up to God. Now, we don't know exactly what what this is like when the wickedness, when the Bible says their wickedness had gone up to God. Isaiah chapter 65 verse 5 sheds a little light when it describes the sin of the rebellious like, like smoke, like a stench in God's nostrils. It makes me think of when I'm driving north toward Granite City and the wind is blowing just right and you get that whiff of burning uh, natural gas from the refinery. You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? I'm sure what's in God's nostrils is much worse than that. You get the sense that this, the sin of mankind, our sin, in this case from Jonah, the Ninevites' sin, assaults God's senses. He sees their sin. He hears the cries coming up from those who've been sinned against. He smells their sin in his nostrils. And it reaches a level where something needs to be done. You might call it a that's it moment. In my family growing up, my kids all knew when their mother had reached the that's it level. They went scrambling. Yet in his patience... And in his compassion, God chooses at this moment to send Jonah to warn the people of Nineveh before their city is destroyed. It's similar to how God had sent Noah before the flood to build the ark, a giant warning sign that something bad was about to come down. And likewise, God sent other prophets to warn the Israelites of impending judgment culminating in John the Baptist, who would call the people to repent before the coming of Jesus, God's Son, the Messiah. Jonah is God's chosen messenger to Nineveh, and there was no way he was going to get around that. And finally, reluctantly, but obediently, Jonah enters into the great city. Nineveh was enormous. Archaeological evidence shows its walls were so thick, three chariots could travel abreast across the top of the walls. Just imagine how, how huge these walls were. It would later become one of the largest, it would later become the largest city in the world during the 7th century BC. Its ruins now lie across the Tigris River from modern day Mosul, Iraq. Perhaps some of you have been there. Maybe one day others will get the opportunity to travel to see where this once great city was located. Nineveh. A major city of one of Israel's greatest and most feared enemies, Assyria. Assyria would later come with armies to conquer the northern kingdom of Israel. The Assyrians 
The Ninevites, their time of judgment had come. The day was at hand. Forty days. The clock was ticking. But something strange happened. As Jonah obeyed God and entered into the city, the people listened. From the least to the greatest, they listened. God, the Holy Spirit, must have been working powerfully in their hearts to not only convict them, but to lead them to repent. And not only to repent with their mouths, with their words, but with their with their actions. They put on sackcloth. They put on a fast. The word repent means to turn. To turn 180 degrees from what they were doing to do the opposite. As we're called to repent, we're called to turn 180 degrees to stop doing what we're doing that's evil, that's wrong, and to do the opposite. God spoke through Jonah. Jonah had become a living sign to them. This this dead man walking. He obeyed. He spoke. They listened and turned from their sin. They declared a fast, all of them, in hopes that God would relent and spare their city. My friends, through God's messenger Jonah, the Lord is also calling us today to repent. He's telling us that our time is short and that today, today is the day of salvation. God is calling us to acknowledge our sinful ways and our sinful hearts and to repent, not only with our words, not only with our mouths, but with our actions also. We too would benefit from a fast to abstain from the things of this world that have captured our attentions and our hearts and instead to turn our hearts to God, asking God to have mercy upon us just as the Ninevites did. Friends, if God has convicted your heart, if you are repentant, then know this. God has sent His only Son to be your Savior, dying for your sins and for the sins of the whole world. God is a God of righteous wrath and justice and judgment, but He is also a God of tender mercy and grace and second chances. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, even for the Ninevites, even for the Glen Carbonites, even for the Chinese and the Japanese, for the Peruvians and the Bolivians, for the Ethiopians and the Nigerians, the Russians and the Indians, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Jesus lived, suffered, died, and rose again for you and for people of every nation. God is a just and righteous God, punishing the sinful, but He is a gracious and merciful God, not wanting any to perish, but freely offering forgiveness and eternal life to all who turn to Him and put their trust in the Savior Jesus. Repent while there is still time. That is the message of Jonah chapter 3.
Amen.